Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and probably, at least in the first part of this, I'm, I'm going to go through my notes, just try to hit them one after another real quick, because there's a certain point that I want to try to get to tonight, feel led to talk about tonight. Um, but anyway, let's, let's begin here in Galatians chapter 3. And um, verse number 7, Galatians 3 and 7. Are you blessed tonight? Amen. All right, it says this, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, in verse 7 when he says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. He's talking about the true sons of Abraham, not just those who may share common DNA with Abraham, but a true son of Abraham is not uh, someone that has his, uh, you know, uh, that's more than just a biological descendant, but a true son of Abraham, according to Jesus, according to the Word of God, is um, someone who is of faith in God. Amen. And, and, and of course, faith in what Jesus has done for us. Um, we said that word only means uh, those and, and no others. Amen. And so, in other words, there's no exception to this. We see in verse 8 then that that the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So this word justify is such an important word in our ability to understand um, everything that's being revealed to us and about us in Galatians 3. And the simplest way to understand this word justify is it means just as if I'd never sinned. Justify, just as if I'd never sinned. And so notice, God knew, Father God knew before he created Adam that Jesus would one day come and offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins, as redemption for our lives, as propitiation, and that's a word we looked at this morning, we'll probably get back to tonight, hopefully, um, meaning Jesus took the blame and punishment for what you did wrong, what I did wrong. In other words, Father God knew all of that. That's how he was able to go ahead and tell Abraham about it um, generations before it ever happened. He went ahead and explained it to Abraham. But again, the key word here is um, justify, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, but, but not by obedience to Moses' law. That's not how the non-biological descendants of Abraham would be justified before God. Um, not by keeping Moses' law, but they would be justified by faith. And so we see that the Scripture, foreseeing that, um, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, and you, all the nations shall be blessed. So it's not a trick question. I just I want you to see something here. Um, can you preach the gospel without preaching justification? And the answer to that is no. In other words, you may not... You can preach the... You, you can preach the gospel without using the word justification, all right? But 
nonetheless, the gospel is about Father God's desire to give to you and me the gift of right standing with himself. Okay? Are you still with me so far? This is really important. In other words, this becomes the, the, the basis for these things. In other words, it, it all hinges on these truths. It, 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 let me say it another way. If this never happened, then we wouldn't be here tonight. But, but even if we were here and this didn't happen, there's no way we could ever talk about the blessing of Abraham coming upon us. Okay? So, again, those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And then the reason it's so important to be a son of Abraham is because the sons of Abraham are the ones who are blessed with believing Abraham. So it's not... I think a lot of times we, we begin to understand truth from the Bible, but we don't really understand that it's, it's grace for grace. It's faith to faith. It's from glory to glory. In, in other words, it's, it's one level, one layer, um, but that level and layer is not an end to itself, but instead it's a means to a greater end. So one of the ways that we describe this is in Deuteronomy 6.23 where God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt, not just so he could say, look at what I did, I got them out of slavery in Egypt. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt so he could bring them into the promised land. In other words, he did one thing because that thing was necessary for him to be able to do the next thing. And so, ultimately, Father wants fellowship from you and he wants blessing for you. But in order to make that a reality, it required him justifying you. Are you seeing this? So can you preach the gospel without preaching justification? No, you may not use the word justification, but Jesus dying on the cross to take away your sins, to forgive you for your sins, all of those expressions and concepts are speaking of this, all carried in this word justification. But notice, it's not just justification, just as if I'd never sinned, for justification, just as, just as if I'd never sinned sake. It's justification so you can be blessed. It's justification so that you can be blessed. All right? Now, we said this morning <clears throat> that sin consciousness is at the root of curse consciousness. Now, I know I'm using some big words, so please stay with me. I'll explain what we mean by this. Sin consciousness is at the root of curse consciousness, but righteousness consciousness is at the root of blessing consciousness. So what are we trying to say here? Well, it was sin that caused us to be cursed. Sin is what connected us to and qualified us for the curse. Sin is what separated us from fellowship with God, and sin is what disqualified us from God being able to bless us. So if we're going to be restored into right fellowship with God, and if we're going to be in a position for God to put His blessing upon us again, the sin that separated us from fellowship with Him and, and made it and disqualified us for the blessing is, is going to have to be dealt with. And of course, this, this word justification and some others that go along with it are the words that, that, 
that carry the, the meaning and the fulfillment of what Jesus has done for us. But in the same way that sin connected us to and qualified us for the curse, righteousness connects us to and qualifies us for the blessing. Now, if you've been born again tonight, if you have received Jesus, you have been given an abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness. You have been made, you've been justified, you've been made right before God in the eyes of God. As a matter of fact, you, you have been made just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus himself because you were given the same righteousness that Jesus has. That's the righteousness that you've been given. You didn't earn it. You, it's not because you were really good for a really long period of time and God granted you a, a righteousness card. No, you received it as a gift by faith when you were born again. Amen. All right? Now, that righteousness, that right standing with God has restored you back into fellowship with Him and it has qualified you now to receive blessing from Him. The problem so many born-again men and women have is they don't understand right standing with God. They don't understand the righteousness that they've been given. But what they do understand is the sinner that they used to be. And they tend to think more like, and that, so that word consciousness there, think about awareness. Amen? And so the question for all of us tonight is this. Are you more aware of the sin and the sinner, that, the sin you used to commit and the sinner you used to be, or are you more aware of the righteousness uh, and, and, the, and the right standing with God that you now have. So we're talking about awareness. We're talking about a mindset. We're talking about the way we see ourselves. Remember the story about a man who had two sons. We often refer to that story as the story of the prodigal son. But that prodigal son, that younger brother, he, he took what was his from his father. He went to a faraway country. He wasted it all and he came back home to his father but he did not come home to his father to be his father's son. He came home to be a servant. He came home to ask his father if he could be like one of his father's slaves, right? And maybe hopefully over a long period of time work his way back into right standing with his father. Get back into his dad's and his family's good graces. And this is how so many people come home to our Heavenly Father. They come home not to be a son in right standing, not to be a son with fellowship and favor restored, but they come home hoping that they can somehow make up for the mistakes they've made, make up for the sin that they've committed, make up for breaking Father's heart by the, by the rebellion and the rebellious life that they live, and hopefully one day they can qualify to have a conversation with Him, and one day they can qualify to be blessed by Him. But if you remember in the story, because Jesus began the story with, with, with helping us understand what the kingdom is like, but also what our Heavenly Father is like. And so in that story, the Father in that story is representative of the heart that our Heavenly Father has. And when He saw His Son coming, did He go in the house and lock the door? No, He took off running, fell on His neck and kissed Him, put a ring on His finger, put shoes on His feet, put a robe on His back. Those shoes represented freedom. That ring represented authority. That robe represented right standing. He completely restored his son right there in, the, in, the, in that dirty, dusty road that, that afternoon. And the whole time the son is saying, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your servants. Are you seeing this? All right. So sin consciousness is at the root of curse consciousness. And I know we talk about this so much, and, and I've been repetitive here a good bit, but when I say curse consciousness, 
It's amazing to me how many of Father's children on planet Earth are more aware of the curse, have more respect for the curse, have more trust and confidence in the curse than they do the blessing on their lives. If things are going good, we just wait for the other shoe to drop. If things are going good, we almost are, are, are afraid to point out to somebody that things are going good. Oh, you just jinxed it. You know, we say something about how well things are going and, and we want to knock on wood. And thinking that if we knock on wood, somehow that'll keep the streak alive. Right? See, all, all of this is what I mean by curse consciousness. Um, how about, I mean, don't even get me started on this. Some of the superstitions. Salt over your shoulder, black cat, ladders, broken mirrors. And again, I'm not picking on you if that's you, but, but what I'm trying to help you see is that's curse consciousness. You know, thinking that there's, you know, some silly thing that you can do, rabbit's foot, whatever. Uh, again, it's, 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 it's embarrassing that God's people are, are living that way, much, much like them, you know, carrying the idols out of Egypt with them on, on their trip to the promised land, thinking that they needed something besides God to get them there. Amen or oh me? So sin consciousness is at the root of curse consciousness, but righteousness consciousness is at the root of blessing consciousness. In other words, if you want to be more aware of the blessing in your life, you must become more aware of your righteousness. The more conscious you are of your righteousness, the more aware you will be of the blessing of the Lord upon your life. Right? Now, justified means qualified, again, qualified for fellowship, qualified for blessing. Justified means just as if I've never sinned. It shares the same, same root word as the word righteous or righteousness. And righteousness simply defined as right before God in the eyes of God. Now, only those who are right before God in the eyes of God qualify for fellowship with God and blessing from God. This is... This, again, is carrying us full circle back around to our text tonight. Again, only those who are right before God in the eyes of God qualify for fellowship with God and blessing from God. Amen. If you're not in right standing, you don't qualify for fellowship and you don't qualify for blessing. Why did we lose our right standing? Sin. Sin is what, sin is what cost us our right standing with God. So this is why we've got to understand the solution, the final answer, the final solution that Father has for us when it comes to sin. You'll never have faith in the blessing if you have no understanding or faith in your righteousness. Now, one last thing, and then we'll go to another verse, all right? The only way to be permanently qualified is to be permanently justified. Permanently qualified Amen, requires permanent justification. The other side of that coin is a temporary righteousness can only support temporary fellowship and temporary blessing. My friend, Father is not interested in an on-again, off-again relationship with us. Amen. This is why he offered 
to you and me a permanent righteousness. A permanent righteousness. Now, I know, especially if some of you were raised in certain denominations, some of this is, you know, like fingernails on a chalkboard as far as, you know, your belief system. Could I just simplify it for a moment, all right? I was born from above. I was born of the Spirit. When I was born a second time, I was born of, a, of an incorruptible seed, and I became a new creation through that experience. Amen. Now, if you compare that to um, my physical birth, um, I was born physically from David Winslet's seed. My father's in the, in the room tonight as he is um, every time these doors are open, him and my mother, okay? I was born of his seed, okay? And I am his son. Not because I paid him money, not because I was good enough, long enough for him to give me that title, but I'm his son by birth, okay? Now, there's nothing that can change that. There's nothing I can do to change that, nothing he can do or wants to do to change that, right? But that's not the same as fellowship, amen? Are you following what I'm saying? There, there are a lot of sons who do not have any fellowship with their earthly father, right? For different reasons. I'm not here to try to preach and teach on that tonight. So... What does it say about Father's desire to have fellowship with you when fellowship with Him is based upon right standing with Him and He made it so you could have permanent right standing with Him? Right? Now, again, hear me. I'm, 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 I'll be gentle as I can be here. There are a lot of folks who have that right standing, but they don't use it to have fellowship with the Father. In other words, they, they're doing their own thing still. But Father has, at least on his end of the relationship, he has established that, amen, in our lives and for our lives. Amen, are you still with me? All right, praise God. Let me, um, let me, let me just plant a few verses right quick. Let's go to Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Some of you are going to be very familiar with these verses. Others, not so much. And maybe some of you in here have never heard some of them in your lives. All right? And that's okay. That's okay. And, and I said to the group this morning, we could spend the rest of this year speaking on the subject of righteousness and justification. While I am here to teach you some things about that, remind you of some things about that, remember, it's, I'm not just here to explain or teach on justification and righteousness tonight. I'm, I'm wanting you to connect the right standing that you've been given as a gift with fellowship with the Father and qualifying for His blessing. All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Okay? 
So he's talking about people who are still trying to establish their right standing with God by their works, by their efforts. And he's saying that this is being done ignorantly. They're, be, they're ignorant of God's righteousness and keep seeking to establish their own righteousness. And that word submitted, you realize what he's talking about there? That's, that's where you give up and surrender yourself to the plan of God and to the gift that God has offered to you. All right, a couple of more and then we'll settle in in Romans 3 for the rest of our time. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans 5 and 17. I'll put it up on the screen. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Okay? So here he's bringing not just the concept of of uh, cursing and blessing, but he's also bringing in uh, life and death, right? Remember, Father said in the Old Testament, I set before you blessing and cursing. I set before you life and death. Choose life. But the choice is ours. The choice is ours. The choice is mine. The choice is yours. So now he's saying that by one man's offense, this is speaking of Adam and the sin that Adam committed, this caused death to reign over us because of him. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. So notice a turning of the tables again here in Scripture where we go from death reigning over us to those who've been born again, receive this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, to not being reigned over by death, but to ruling and reigning in life. Amen? Oh, praise God. All right, let's keep going here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. These are just some staples. You understand staples, right? Like if you go into the grocery store, you got the, the milk and the bread and the potatoes, right? This is the milk, bread, and potatoes of, of righteousness. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about it. These are just some of the, the key verses that I wanted to either plant or water in your heart tonight. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he made him, speaking of Father God, he, Father God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness of God in him in him okay now one more and then we'll settle in in Romans 3 I wasn't going to do this but I want to do this one as well, as well again our key text for this whole study Galatians 3 and 13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? So he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We could go on and on with this. We also see the different aspects of the curse and we've already covered this in previous lessons. But remember, he took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. He became poor so that you could become rich, okay? So we see all these different conditions of the curse 
Jesus took those upon Himself for us so that we could be free from them. Now, let's settle in in Romans 3. Turn with me there, please. Romans chapter 3. Amen. It's um, a very interesting topic to study in the Scriptures, this topic of our righteousness. Amen. Um, let me remind you that the word justify in our English translation and the word righteousness in our English translation, although they don't sound anything like one another in English, they both come from the same root word in the Greek. Okay? Now, Romans chapter 3. Can we plow on through for a few more minutes? You get anything out of this? Okay. All right. Sometimes we preach, sometimes we teach, and so we're doing some teaching tonight. All right. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. It says this, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Okay? So let's talk about these verses real quick like. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. What is he saying here? He's basically, if I could paraphrase it this way, he's saying, you know, you understand righteousness from the approach of obedience to Moses' law. That was their concept of how a man or a woman could be right before God in the eyes of God. In other words, remember he said, if you do all that's written in this law, if you obey all of these commands, then you'll be blessed. But if you break one of these commands, right, you'll be cursed. So they understood that the, the way to have fellowship with God, the way to be blessed by God, was to make yourself right before God in the eyes of God through your own efforts in obeying Moses' law. And of course, we know that Father God knew that there was, it was impossible to do. But we needed to realize that. We needed to come to the conclusion that unless God did something to save us, we were doomed because we could not keep all of those righteous commands and make ourselves right before God in the eyes of God. Okay? That's why the Bible says the Scripture has concluded all under sin. So the idea is to bring us to the simple conclusion that we need a Savior. Amen. In other words, when Father God gave the law and it didn't make everybody righteous, He wasn't surprised by that. He understood that that law would simply expedite you and me coming to the conclusion that we cannot make ourselves right um, on our own and that we need His help if we're ever going to be right. So he's saying that this is something new that's being revealed Yet it was witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, the law and the prophets would be what? The Old Testament. Am I losing you? Are you still with me? Law and the prophets were the Old Testament. So when he says being witnessed by the law and the prophets, what is he saying? He's saying you can find all kinds of stuff about this in the Old Testament. It's not, it's not a new concept. It's just a lot of what we saw in the Old Testament was, was shadows of what was to come. If... if um, you know, if I'm, if I'm standing right here and there's only one light and it's shining in my face, then that microphone stand is going to cast a shadow towards me. And, you know, sometimes when I go down that hallway and there's bright sunlight, sometimes early, early in the morning, the guys across the street will be backing in and their headlights shining down that hallway as I'm going down that hallway, right? It's, you know, you can't really see there for a moment. And so this is what he's talking about. The light of Jesus 
was ahead of the people in the Old Testament, shining back towards them, and all of the things that pointed to him were casting shadows in their direction, right? What was casting shadows for them now that we're in the light looking backwards, we can see all these things uh, very clearly. Are you following what I'm saying? Like, you know, animal sacrifices to cover over sin. Um, that was a shadow of the good things that were to come in that Jesus would be the Lamb of God who would not just cover over our sin, but take it away completely. So when he says that the law and the prophets um, you know, witnessed righteousness of God apart from the law, amen, he's, he's saying that there's all kinds of things in there to confirm this. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all, all who believe. Now, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who's ever heard this verse? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice that at the end of the word God there, there is a comma. Because when this was originally written, it wasn't written in chapter and verse. The chapters and verses were added later. So don't let the verse um, numbers separate the thought. Because this thought continues. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice there's a comma. Verse 24 begins with a lowercase b being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So if we only look at verse 23 and have no idea there's a verse 24, it leaves us with the wrong understanding. It leaves us with the wrong impression. So yes, we have all sinned. Yes, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But now being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All right, let's stop right here. Amen. And let's talk about this one, and we may not get beyond this tonight, but let's, let's connect a few things together, all right? When he says, for all have sinned, again, there's no exception to this, uh, of course, other than Jesus. Um, every, every human being, with the exception of Jesus, sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Now, this word that in the original language that's translated with two words in our English language um, fall short, okay? This word means, are you ready? It means posterior. It means posterior. Or we can say it this way. It means behind. Like Behind, right? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? Amen. Like the butt of every joke. Okay? Posterior, behind, and it ties in with being the tail and not the head. Do you remember in the Old Testament, Father said that if you obeyed the commandments, you would be blessed. And part of the blessing on a person's life is that they would be above only and not beneath. And that we would be the head and not the posterior. We would be the head and not the tail. Are you seeing this? Okay. 
So he's saying that all have sinned and have become the posterior, have become the behind, have become the tail, but the glory of God for you does not involve you being the tail. The glory of God for you is for you to be the head. What do we mean by that? God didn't create you to be the butt of every joke. He didn't create you to be the laughing stock uh, of, of demons. He created you to rule and reign over them. Not, not, to, not to be dragging up the rear every time, but to be leading the charge every time. This is what Father God had in mind when He created you. So that brings us then, by the way, let me finish this definition. So the idea also communicated here is to come up short and to miss out. To come up short and to miss out. Alright? Now, I don't even have to ask you to raise your hand because every, every one of us in here, at some point in our lives, we have come up short and we've missed out. Amen. But again, this is not what Father created you for. He did not create you to always be on the, here's another expression, short end of the stick. Amen. Created you to be on the long end of the stick, whatever that means, praise God. So when it says that have sinned and fallen short, come up short, missed out on the glory of God, the glory of God. Now, the glory of God is a vast subject. It's talked about throughout the Word of God. And while it absolutely can speak of the very presence of God, remember in the Old Testament when the Shekinah glory of God filled the temple and, and, and the power of God and the presence of God was so strong that the priests were unable to minister at the altar. They just all fell over. They were literally overcome by the, the presence of God. It was so real and tangible. It was like a fog. It was, it was like, it was like a, a mist, heavy uh, upon the people, the very weightiness of God's glory. And so when we, when we talk about the glory of God, again, we're talking about a very big subject, but for our study, we're interested in, in, in a basic understanding that we can build on. That's what we're doing. We're laying some groundwork. We're laying some foundation that we can build on. So when we talk about the glory of God, the, the transliteration of the Greek word for glory is the word doxa, D-O-X-A. Amen? Anybody raised in a traditional religious church where you sang the doxology, right? So doxa, the doxa of God. The doxa of God in a Greek lexicon, uh, which is like a dictionary on steroids, is two columns of fine print. In, in other words, that's, that's the, the vastness of, of that definition. Amen? So I'm going to take those two columns of fine print and I'm going to boil it down for you. Are you ready? The glory of God is everything that God is and everything that God has. It's who He is in His essence. It's who God is essentially. This is the glory of God. Amen. And yet the Bible says that we as mankind have all sinned and have all come up on the short end of the stick and missed out on the glory of God. Now this is where, stay with me, and again, we'll finish right here. The glory of God is what He is essentially. 
But the Bible teaches us that everything God created, He created to have its own glory. Amen. And we see that even like when He talks about the, the, the planetary bodies and the stars, that they all vary in their intensity, in their glory. Are you with me? Amen. So everything that God created, God created with its own glory, which again means that we as mankind, as men and women, we were created to uh, have uh, a certain glory concerning us. Are you with me? This is important, right? So again, we're not going to turn there. But 1 Corinthians speaks of the wisdom that God has provided and, and has hidden. He appointed it and He hid it, not from you, but for you. And the Bible says that it's hidden for our glory. You see, raised again in, in religious, traditional settings, um, all you ever heard about was the glory of God. You never heard about the glory of man. Amen. But again, everything God created, God created with a certain glory. And He's saying that our sin caused us to fall short of the glory that God ascribed or assigned to us. So, stay with me now. Amen? If the glory of God is what God is essentially, then the glory of created things, including you and me, is what they are meant by God to be. Your glory is what God meant for you to be. The glory of man is what God had in mind for man when God created mankind. Are you understand what I'm saying? This is what we've fallen short of. Are you, are you still with me? In other words, we, it's not that we have fallen short of God's doxa, that we've fallen short of everything He is and everything that He has, although we have fallen short of that, but he's saying here that what God created you and me for, the intentions and purposes for which we exist, Father God created you for a certain purpose. He created you with a certain intention in mind. And he says sin has caused us to fall short of that. Amen? Now, let's complete the loop. What did he create us for? <laughs> He created us to bless us. He wanted, he wanted to, to bless you. He created you for blessing. And He created you. What did He want from you? He wants fellowship from you. Sin caused us to fall short of God being able to bless you and God being able to enjoy fellowship with you and from you. Are you following me? I know that, and we're going to keep, because I'm just telling you this is, this is, I almost feel like there's a mandate on my, on my life and the ministry that Father's trusted into my care to keep proclaiming this over and over and over again. If you ask the average Christian what God wants from them, the answers are going to involve some form of obedience, some form of service, some kind of sacrifice, some kind of suffering. And, and listen, I... Obedience is important. Sacrifice is important. There may be some time when we have to, you know, put our big boy and girl, you know, britches on and, and deal with some hardship like good soldiers. Amen. But my friend, if you think Father God just created you to see if he could make you obey him, you've lost your, you, you have no idea. Amen. 
He created you so much like Himself because He created you to make you one with Himself. He created you so much like Himself because He wanted someone that He could share Himself with. Someone that He could have fellowship with. Someone that He could love and be loved by. Someone that He could pour Himself into. Someone that He could share His life and existence and wisdom with. He created you because He wanted to have fellowship with you in the cool of the evening. Now there are all kinds of things that we do for Him. All kinds of acts of service and, and, and things that, that... But again, if you do all of that and don't understand the fellowship that He longs to have from you, it's not even pleasing to Him. That's, we're right back to that younger brother, right? We're right back to that younger brother, the, the older brother and the younger brother. If you remember, they wanted their daddy's stuff, but they didn't want their daddy. They wanted their daddy's help, but they didn't want their daddy's fellowship. We're just right back there. What is the glory that we fell short of being one with God? Does it get any higher? Can we aspire to anything greater? Is there any goal, personal or otherwise, that you could set for yourself that goes beyond becoming one with the Most High God and Creator of the universe? Knowing Him on an intimate, personal basis? To walk side by side with your Savior on a daily basis? Is there anything greater? Is there anything more important? Is there anything higher than that for a human being to achieve, to accomplish, to experience? Do you see now when He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Gains the whole world and misses the very reason he exists. To be loved by our Creator. To be considered special by Him. To have His favor lavished upon you in life. For Him to be your portion and your reward, for Him to be your protector and your guide, for Him to desire to prosper you to the point that He makes an example out of you to this world of His goodness and His glory and His riches and His wealth. To be an imitator of God. To bear His image in the created realm, to have a member of the Trinity living inside of you, pouring out His love in your heart, so that when you love people, it's no different than if Jesus was standing in front of them loving them Himself. My friend, this is the, this is the glory that we all fell short of. But thanks be unto God, right? that we have this righteousness from heaven now revealed. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. I'm going to show you next week what the Bible says.